Starting with share markets and the US Dow Jones Index closed at record levels this week. The US Volatility Index, which measures investors' expectations of volatility in the next 30 days, hit its lowest level since January 2020, before the pandemic. Investors are bidding shares higher on rhetoric from the US Federal Reserve, suggesting they will move to reduce interest rates sharply in 2024 coupled with investor expectations of a soft landing in the US economy. The New Zealand and Australian share markets have followed suit, rallying since lows in late October. On to our weekly look at which company directors have been buying shares in the companies they know well with their hard-earned dough. Brings us to an Australian small-cap pearl farmer of all things. Atlas Pearls, ASX code ATP, has seen a run-up in its share price as revenues increase on higher pearl prices, which has offset the lower size and quality of pearls that are currently being harvested. Atlas Pearls announced that it achieved a new single sales event record of 130,000 loose pearls, sold for a total of $14.8 at a recent auction. Directors Cadell Bus bought 10,000 worth of shares on market last week and Tim Martin purchased 54,000 worth in September. I've never been a fan of companies that grow or farm food as these are often at the mercy of erratic weather and diseases. You can't fight Mother Nature. New Zealand No Frills used car dealership Two Cheap Cars NZX Code 2CC has seen four directors buy shares on market over the last six months, with one very small director sell. The two cheap cars' share price is up about 200% over the last six months, since releasing a trading update for the quarter ending June that revealed the company's turnaround plan is progressing well and margins are increasing, which led to two cheap cars exceeding profit guidance. The half-yearly report to September 30 showed a record half-year profit. On to new listings, and the ASX saw a speculative biotech hit the boards this week. LTR Pharma, stock code ASX LTP, listed on Monday, and is developing a nasal spray for erectile dysfunction. This reminds me of famous investor Peter Lynch, who always talks about owning boring or disagreeable companies that people would not brag about owning at a barbecue, such as toxic waste management or funeral home operators, as they are more likely to be undervalued, and I am sure erectile dysfunction falls into this category. That being said, this is a risky biotech, and erectile dysfunction medication is cheap and abundant. So I've heard. LTR Pharma also do not actually own the patent for their technology. This is not one for us. Turning to currencies in the US dollar index, which is the US dollar versus a basket of major currencies, could come under further pressure if interest rates in the US start declining and if the move away from using the US dollar to trade by BRICS nations gathers steam which appears likely at this stage. The BRICS Nations Group, which 
has Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa as core members, is expanding. China, an influential BRICS member, is encouraging African nations to abandon the US dollar in favour of transacting in Chinese yuan. China also completed a 7 billion currency swap deal with Saudi Arabia. China imported 65 billion worth of Saudi crude oil last year. And yet another chip away at the US dollar's reserve currency status. What does this mean for investors? Well, as most major commodities are still priced in US dollars, any devaluation in the currency will make commodities cheaper for foreign consumers. Moving on to the hunt for yield, and we have noticed a rise in ads for real estate-backed fixed income products. So as just a friendly reminder, that companies paying yields on fixed income products that are materially higher than what can be achieved with bank deposits should be viewed with caution. And chasing the extra yield may be hazardous to your capital. Turning to investor education, and a listener Bill asks, should I invest in IPOs, which are initial public offerings? Thanks for the question, Bill. Generally, I do not invest in initial public offerings, as they tend to have little publicly available information and operating history. And even if they have gone well as private companies, being publicly accountable can be a different ballgame. Many IPOs can be an opportunity for current owners of the business to sell out at a price that can often be optimistically inflated. New Zealand company My Food Bag was a classic example of this. So that is something to be wary of. As always, it depends on the company, and you do get some good listings. If you don't buy in at the start, you can keep any interest in companies on a watch list and see how they go. Often the price will fall away after listing and investors forget about the company. You can then watch for directors buying shares on market and any other positive developments. Hope that helps, Bill. Our final thought of the episode, and we ponder if fund managers should have personal investments outside the funds they manage. This is a bit of a hard one but they should certainly have to disclose to their employer which shares they own. The reason this should be monitored is to prevent conflicts of interest and front-running. Most firms allow it, but have policies of varying degrees, which means, for example, a portfolio manager may not be able to have outside investments at all. They may have to only invest in the fund they manage, Or maybe they have no rules around outside investments, but have to disclose personal investments nonetheless. If a fund manager really did want to trade on inside information, they would find a way around compliance regulations using accounts in the names of friends or family. Thank you for listening. This is our final podcast of the year, as we will take a break and we'll be back mid-January.